0: Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. As heat pumps and distributed energy become a bigger part of our energy system, they'll bring additional demands on the grid, But smart control of these appliances can help to solve these demands, as well as also providing new ways to help balance the grid. So optimizing millions of heat pumps and other appliances in our homes is definitely the future where we're heading to. But it will require new approaches. And today we'll be looking at one such approach in Germany involving Wiesmann, a manufacturer of heat pumps, and Tenet, one of the four transmission system operators in Germany and the Equity crowd balancing platform. So let's get into the conversation and hear more about this. Uh, I've got three guests with me today. First, Axel Kiesling from Tenet in Germany. Hello, Axel. Hello, nice to be
1: here and thanks for the invitation. Thanks for joining.
0: Um, Axel, you lead Tenet's work on flexibility. Can you describe in a nutshell what your job involves?
1: Yes, together with my team, I'm managing a portfolio of flexibility projects in Germany and in the Netherlands. Against the background of the energy transition, um, we will see a phase out of big conventional power plants. But on the other hand, there will be also an increase of renewables. So that means on the one hand, we have to build new lines that we can transport the energy from the uh, place of uh, production to the place Mm -hmm. of consumption. Um, but on the other hand, we also have to unlock new flexibility sources that we make uh, the best and efficient use of our grid. And on the other hand, also that we can balance our grid. Okay. And
0: Axel, for- I imagine you're on a bit of a journey. Previously, if I went back 10 years, you'd be using flexibility from large power plants. And you probably still are in a big way today. In the future, in 10, 20 years, you'll be using flexibility from lots of small uh, assets like heat pumps, small generators. What, whereabouts are you on that journey today from the big power plants to the, the millions of small things in people's homes?
1: Yes, that what you said is is fully correct. So we will see in the upcoming years the growth of yeah heat pumps. Um, but also electric cars and uh, home batteries. yeah for example, in Germany there's a forecast of fifteen million electric cars in 2030 yeah. and that is why we started already three years ago um, to talk um, to other industries. yeah sector coupling is a keyword word. Um, and um, yeah, we were in conversations um, to set up pilot projects that we um, uh, yeah, are experienced in new processes but also in new IT technologies and also that we discuss what has to be changed in the regulatory framework. Yeah
0: okay thanks Axel, we'll come back to you shortly. Um, my second guest is Hans Schirmeyer from Wiesmann, one of Europe's leading manufacturers of climate solutions. Hello Hans.
2: Hi John, hi everyone. Great to be here,
0: and great to have you here. Hans, you're leading Eastman's energy services team, and that team is a bit different from the part of Eastman that's making and selling um, appliances. So, can you tell us a bit more about what you're what you do in the energy services team at Eastman?
2: Yes, um, pleasure to do so. So. I own the end-to-end responsibility for all products that involve electricity tariffs at FISMAN. And we call that energy services. And it it might be strange for the users or for the listeners to imagine FISMAN in such a business model. So I, I might dive a bit deeper in why we offer energy services to our users. What yeah, do you that think would be great.
0: That? that would be great.
2: So... Um, to do so, I would like to, uh, the listeners and all of you guys as well to do two things. Firstly, please bear in mind that uh, FISMAN has a strong focus in the residential sector. So when I'm talking about climate solutions in the next couple of minutes and I'm talking about heat pumps, then imagine yourself in a household, in a one or two family household, uh, nice, comfy and warm. That's the place where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And secondly, please drop your knowledge. All of us, um, probably m- most of the listeners, are experts in their fields, in the energy uh, economic field. Please drop that knowledge and put yourself in the steps of a typical investor in a household back home. So um, it's quite complicated to invest into a heat pump then to calculate how much energy will be taken, how much electricity. And when a photovoltaic unit and a battery storage comes into place, that's even more complex. So that's.
0: I don't have to imagine it because I've been there. I've got a heat pump, (laughs) I've got batteries, I've got solar panels in my house. So uh, I'm exactly where you want me to be at the moment. You are
2: future proofed. So, how nice would it have been if you had a manufacturer that offers you a heat pump and a battery storage and a photovoltaic? and tells you what your savings will be even before you invest in the system. And that's exactly what we do in energy services. We offer electricity tariffs that offer these kinds of easyfication, makes it less complex. We always talk about the seamless process to get renewables at home.
0: Okay. And when you're doing that then, when you make these seamless offers, I love that word, easyfication. Presumably, what you're looking at is using the smart operation of those heat pumps to create some value for the customers. So the heat pumps can contribute to the balancing of the grid and the customers get some of that reward. Where uh, Axel described his journey from big power plants to uh, lots of small devices, for Wiesman's journey of heat pumps just operating only when the home needs heat or cooling, to heat pumps operating also when the grid wants them to. Are you at the beginning of that journey? Where are you on that that journey, Hans?
2: Yeah, so I think that's what you mentioned is one part for our users to monetize flexibility or unused Mm -hmm. capacity. Um, And on that journey, we are kind of in the beginning. That's exactly, I think the trigger for why Axel and me are in this podcast today. But we have come a long way already because before you start to use or to sell unused capacity, you have two steps, or I like to think of it as two steps before. The first one is increase your efficiency. Only Mm -hmm. an unused kilowatt hour is a good kilowatt hour. So use Mm -hmm. the energy when it's really necessary to use. And Mm -hmm. secondly, optimize behind the energy meter. So once you have Or if there's energy that you have to use, then use it wisely, for instance, to increase your self-consumption. And for those two respects, we have come a long, long way already. Uh, The first important thing is to have devices that are are connected. So in order to add those first steps of, uh, of value, you need to have devices that can be intelligent. And we are leading the industry in Germany and in Europe with regards to connectivity. And we can already base our um, user value propositions today on several hundred thousand of heating systems or energy systems in general that we have connected already. So given that level of connectivity and the intelligence we already have in many, many households across Europe, we, already, we also can base our activity on a broad experience with offering electricity tariffs to users mm-hmm. already. So an existing tariff that we offer to heat pump operators in Germany, for instance, allows our users to sell flexibility to the distribution grid operator. It's kind of a, let's say, simple system because it neither takes into account What's the heat pump actual, actually willing or able to give the flexibility? Mm-hmm. Um, the distribution operator just um, picks a time when those heat pumps are being shut down.
0: Yeah, it's more more of a control approach, isn't it? Uh, exactly, and yeah, in most yeah.
2: cases, the distribution grid operators use the same time every day, and it's yeah. it doesn't really look at... The uh, um, real congestion that's there in the electricity grid. Yeah, but, okay. but still, it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a way for uh, thousands and thousands of of our users to monetize their flexibility. Yeah, and I estimate that roughly a third of all heat pumps in Germany uh, use such a tariff.
0: And they're getting a cheaper tariff in return for providing that um, that flexibility or ability exactly. to be switched off at times. Exactly. What- Um, let's come back in a minute, Hans, and look into exactly what you're doing with Tenet. Um, my last guest today is my colleague and Delta E expert, Lucy Murley. Hello, Lucy.
3: Hi, John. Uh, Nice to meet you all.
0: Um, Lucy, can you help us in this, just contextualize what we're talking about in Germany today? If we look at residential flexibility across Europe, um, are there any places where this is starting to really happen and gather pace? beyond the example Hans gave of simple switch off at certain times? Or is this all future stuff that we're talking about?
3: That's a very good question, John. I think the the positive side of me goes, yes, there is really positive developments in flexibility and specifically residential flexibility. If you look across Europe broadly, the Mm. markets are opening and there are very limited barriers to entry. Yeah. Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands, GB market, which means that the value streams that residential assets would like to be flexible in, they have the legal parameters to do so. Yeah. The, the sort of more pragmatic side of me goes, the next step is these business models that Hans was talking about. So you have the markets open on one side, and then the next step is to get these connected assets into the markets and that's, that's the bit that we're at the moment, and this is where all these conversations are coming about how to enter the markets, what business model should we use, what incentives do you need? So the mm-hmm. markets are there, and the next step is to just get all these connected assets into the markets. Okay,
0: so we're making progress, but there's still a lot to do in actually uh, taking advantage of all of these opportunities. Um,
2: that's, that's interesting that you say the markets are there, and we need the connected devices. Uh, I, I kind of look at it the other way around, but that that might be natural in our in either of our roles. Oops.
0: Go on, Lucy.
3: I'm going to say, to, to use a very British phrase. It's sort of a chicken and egg situation, a little bit. Um, exactly. There's a, there's, a, there's a nice circle. To yeah. open the markets, you need the connected assets. But to monetize the market, yeah. they need to be open.
1: But we all have the same view. at the end. All uh, these small flexibility sources need to be unlocked and uh, need mm-hmm. to be integrated into the system and into the market. And that is the same for Germany or Belgium or the Netherlands. Um, that has to be done Yeah, all over Europe.
0: Well, Axel, let's hear about how it's working with you and Hansen. So can you tell us a bit about, in this particular project, what Tenet's getting from Wiesmann's heat pumps and why you value that?
1: Yeah, first of all, we are very um, happy that we um, have initiated this uh, project with Wiesmann and uh, had many talks before. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. then we started uh, this project and uh, the first what we want to know and sector coupling always starts with talking to each other um, that we really better understand the technology of heat pumps. Yeah, that's the main aim for us. But then also that we have processes in place uh, that we can unlock this flexibility from heat pumps for ancillary service and congestion management and also that we can test uh, new IT um, Hmm. solutions and um, we started that we want to use um, heat pumps for congestion management. Congestion management um, is like we have a a traffic jam on the road so we have Mm -hmm. constraints in the grid And that means that we have to design processes and to implement processes that we can shift the energy consumption from um, times where we have constraints in the grid um, to times where we don't have constraints um, in the grid. And that is what we are testing at the moment. And for sure, we are also looking um, uh, to the regulatory framework. Um, because um, in Germany, for redispatch, um, you have a, a cost-based uh, mechanism. Um, but for the smaller flex, um, um, there we are also looking for an incentive-based mechanism for a hybrid system. Um, so um, because at the end, there must be a motivation uh, for end consumers to participate and um, to provide this flexibility. So, Axel, when the redispatch...
0: Can you help our listeners understand, is this uh, in seconds, minutes, hours, how long are you wanting them to uh, turn down for? How much notice can you give for that?
1: Yeah, so um, that's um, also a very good question. And that was also the um, uh, aim why we started with congestion management, because the reaction time is not so fast. Um, if you mm. compare that um, to uh, frequency, a product's control reserve, so um, you can be slower in the in, in reaction time. You have to do the forecast the day before, and then it's on a more on a minute basis or second basis, uh, secondly basis that you are activated. And um, so that's the first test. And for sure, we also have to see if we can make use uh, of heat pumps for other products. Yeah, okay. Uh, for control reserve products.
0: So starting off with not so rapid response. Uh, yes, not, correct. Yeah. And holding for fifteen
1: minutes, thirty minutes, hours. Yeah, so it, it depends on the event. So, um, and that's as, uh, exactly why we want to better understand the technology, because mm. if you stop, um, yeah, the energy consumption and you you shift it to another um, uh, time frame, um, then the let's say the congestion must be solved in the grid. So, it makes no sense if you only postpone it and yes. uh, you still have the event ongoing, and then uh, you don't have solved the problem. You only have, let's say, uh, the problem to another time.
0: You don't want to move the traffic jam from four yes, or Yes, exact, exactly, yep. exactly, exactly. Yep. Yep. And Hans, how, from your perspective, how challenging is it to provide that flexibility? Or, or can you tell us a bit what's involved? Uh, a lot of listeners might have a heat pump that's not flexible. What's involved in making that flexible while still keeping the home warm, for example?
2: Yeah, it's, it's always hard to, to get rid of a traffic jam, especially if you don't, don't build a second road. Yeah, and You have to change the user's behavior, right? Or at least the user's heat pump's behavior. Uh, not necessarily or actually in no case we aim at that the user has to change anything. The so they, won't
0: know, they won't know anything's happening. The heat pump's doing this on an automated basis. Well, ideally,
2: they, they know that the heat pump is uh, being used for sh- such a scheme, and they know mm-hmm. that the energy bill is being reduced by a bit, but they, uh, it shouldn't be feelable in a home to do so. And, and um, so f- for our German heat pump users, for instance, there there is a tariff to use the flexibility, but it just gets all out of the potential that's in there um i mentioned that there's no one doing a forecast of when is heat demanded in the household when does, yeah. does this really has to to operate there's no one who does a prediction of the um of the uh, congestion of the grid and that's really different in our project we call it vflex uh for the pro- for this project that's really different because now FISman becomes an aggregator. We do forecast every single heat pump. what's going to happen tomorrow in that household? when is the heat pump operating? We aggregate it on grid nodes so it's mm-hmm. interesting for tenant. and we also give the information how can we change this predicted dispatch? And then it gets interesting because then okay. tenant can look at when the, do they need the flexibility, and then they call us upon this flexibility in the amount that tenant needs. And we get uh, compensated for that.
0: So so Hans, where are you? You're doing that on a geographical basis, which is really interesting because then you can provide Axel with that information as to uh, where you can respond Yeah. in terms of that analysis of uh, how much flexibility you can offer. Is that done up in the cloud? Do you need more intelligence at the, in the homes, or do you just need the connectivity to get that information to your cloud?
2: So we don't have any relevant intelligence in the field, in the households. Mm -hmm. All the intelligence we have in the field, we use for data acquisition, as good as possible data acquisition and to send signals fast through. So every calculation we do is done on a centralized basis in our
0: cloud okay um now i want to meet that cloud there axel with your requirements so uh you're using a a platform that the equity crowd balancing platform which i mentioned at the beginning it's quite a quite a long name equity crowd balancing platform Mm -hmm. um can you describe it in a sentence or two for our listeners what is this this platform and yeah, how so, does it help you with hands. Yeah, thanks ethic. a lot
1: um, for, um, for this question. So, um, Equity um, is a joint venture of a European um, TSO, so from APG, Swissgrid, Tana, Eterna, and um, Tenet. Mm-hmm. And uh, this joint venture and Equity is running the crowd balancing platform, the crowd balancing platform, the blockchain based um, platform. So um, that is very easy for aggregators to connect to that uh, platform, and that we can manage the data flows. And yeah, we we have chosen the a blockchain approach because that is very easy to connect. It's uh, secure to connect and uh, cheap to connect. And um, if you if you think we had uh, in the past we had one really big power plant and we replaced that with very uh, small um devices then you have thousands and millions um, mm. in the future in the long run and uh, yeah then you cannot use any more um simple IT technologies then you really have to prepare for the future and um so that is our cloud balancing uh, platform and um yeah these uh, countries and uh, and uh, TSO are implementing use cases uh, for ancillary services and congestion management and um, what we are aiming for is that we can reuse um, from these use cases in the different countries as much as possible for another country, so yeah. that we are aiming a standardized uh, solution um, across Europe. That is our aim. So okay. that is also for the aggregators, very easy to connect and also for, for the OMs and the manufacturers. And, and um, is this is the first time
0: This is the first time you're working with a platform on this particular project with with Wiesmann and hans
1: yes so um we did so we did uh, many uh, pilots um and um, to explain a little bit more in Germany, for example, we do the congestion management um with Wiesmann, uh, but it's only a pilot because um we don't have the regulatory framework in place so um because it's a cost based regime what I said before, but in the Netherlands for example um there um you can uh, provide a secondary reserve um via the the platform and there it's in daily business yeah okay
0: hans how is it for you connecting to that platform um axel said it's it's simple but i'm sure doing something new there's a lot of learning involved so um (laughs) yeah has it been a lot of learning is it a big it project for you or give us a feel for what that's been like
2: um, well, I, I explicitly try to ban the word pilot from this project. So, um, but interestingly, or like uh, this discussion with Lucy showed, it's um, the point of view that uh, decides if it's a pilot project or not. So we do use. Proven technology. We do use our connectivity that's already out there for a few hundred thousand uh, devices in the field. Yeah. And as Axel just said, we don't have a scalable, addressable market where we can put this flexible flexibility into.
0: Yeah. But so, if, you, um, if the market comes, if the market comes, and you can get the value, can you then scale this sort of thing up quite quickly?
2: Definitely, uh, I, I, that's what I uh, tried to say. Um, and that, but what makes it so interesting uh, for, from this equity approach is the cross market or uh, the international mm-hmm. approach. So we are an international company. We provide solutions in many, many different European countries, and we focus on everything from the meter or from the cloud down into the household and we would like to share responsibility and would like to share processes up to the energy markets and if we have to do that in every country with a different api with a different uh, entity offering uh, that market it will be hard but in the end it's it's really easy it's shutting down a heat pump or turning it on it's it's not more it's uh, just um Capacity that goes into the grid or, or doesn't. Um, and we would like to monetize that flexibility. And equity really gives that scalable option to do so across many European markets.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point about scalable and you're, you're a European company, you're not a German company. Well, you're in Germany. Germany is an important market, but you think like a European company.
2: Yeah, especially um, Italy, which is on the Equity platform already. France Belgium which I think um, still have to be partners but uh, those markets are really really relevant for either generating your own electricity or heating with electricity like France and uh, all of those markets are really interesting there's lots of stuff going on for us
0: Lucy from your research you've looked at platforms recently a few platforms, loads of platforms trying to do this sort of thing, doing different things. Um, what, what do you see when you look across the, the platform world in terms of the number and the different types and functionality?
3: I, we can safely say that platforms is definitely the new buzzword. I, f- I feel that most things in the industry now is a form of platform or another.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We are definitely seeing lots of lots of different platforms with slightly different scopes and from different operators. So, for example, you could have a, a DSO platform, a, a TSO platform that could coordinate to some extent. You could have a, a aggregator platform. You could have a trading platform. And they all have their own skills and competencies and value in the market.
0: So they're all playing into maybe different potential users of that flexibility, the DSO, the wholesale exactly. energy market, the TSO.
3: Yes, yeah, so they almost all have their own different verticals. Yeah. And and the challenge we're now facing as an industry is to integrate these verticals and make them usable for both sort of beastmans and, and the TSOs of the different markets that they, that they operate in.
0: Yeah, otherwise I guess you end up with a bit of a spaghetti... Uh, m- m- a tangle of different platforms trying to do different jobs with the same heat pumps possibly yeah
3: exactly it, <laughs> for a sort of analogy that we've already seen in the market take Take aggregators there are many in the markets at the moment but five ten years ago there were many many more yeah. and as they become more developed become more specialists we're seeing fewer aggregators in the market today you can you can see parallels with what we're seeing with platforms landscapes there are many at the moment And as they specialize and become more skilled, it is likely we will see less as we get into the future.
0: Hans and Axel, how do you you see that in terms of the the number of platforms that different, you know, Hans, you're a TSO, you need flexibility. So Axel, you're a TSO. Hans, you mentioned DSOs needing flexibility. You've got companies using flexibility in wholesale energy markets.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting point that you and Lucy made in the spaghetti analogy is also quite strong because do you really want to have so many players tangling with your heating system in the middle mm. of the winter
0: I'm sure you don't want that to happen
2: <laughs> <laughs> well we know that it's what happens if your heating system fails in the winter and uh, things get really tough and yeah. our current position is to make sure that it stays warm and comfortable at home And we are willing to take that responsibility, which would mean that any aggregator, any platform has to go through our energy operating system such that we can guarantee that the comfort stays high as the user is used to. Yeah.
0: Axel, how about from your perspective, all these different value, different people looking to use flexibility for different reasons?
1: Yeah, so what what you said, so the platforms are for different purposes, and what we are aiming for is really to managing the data flows of of uh, many of devices, and it should be easy to connect, and that is why we are aiming for a standardised uh, solution um, yeah. across Europe. And for sure, it should be possible that uh, the aggregators with different platforms should, should be able to connect. Yeah. And the aggregators are, let's say, or, or doing the market function, really doing the aggregation, doing the bits. And, um, that are other functionalities of the platforms. And then it should be easy, um, via interfaces to connect. Um, because also our aim is that we have uh, uh, traffic then on our platform, uh, meaning that we really unlock these uh, smaller flexibility sources and um, so we are more than happy uh, the more customers we have for our platform.
0: Maybe stretching the analogy a bit about traffic jams on the motorway, you're the motorway, the TSO, the DSO is a smaller road, the wholesale energy markets are a different road, you need one one traffic management system to avoid all of these traffic jams and not just shove them from one place to another place.
2: You forgot the heat pumps being the cars. Yeah, that, that, on that that's correct. So, um, <laughs> well,
1: yeah, no, that that, that that's that's uh, correct, and um, also that's also one reason why we um, have chosen that um, blockchain approach, mm. um, because oh in that decentralized energy world, uh, we have much more. Um, of stakeholders um, that need this relevant information in a consistent way. So that does not mean that all stakeholders have access um, to all data, but the data set should be consistent and should be the same. And um, to give you one example. So if you talk about smaller flexibilities, then on the one hand side, um, the customers want to know what happens with the the, device. Um, is flexibility delivered? Yes or no? But also the manufacturers want to have information about what's happening with the device because they have to guarantee for the device. Yeah. But on the other hand, they are also, let's say, um, they feel responsible that the customers don't lose comfort. So yeah, yeah that, that 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 the heating is is yeah, or the heat pump is running uh, if it's cold, or the electric car is charged if you want to drive. Um, so there's a second reason for the manufacturers why they needs the information and for sure the aggregators uh, needs information and um, also the distribution system operator. so it's it's a whole ecosystem mm-hmm. and and all all stakeholders need the information and that is also um, that blockchain promises um, that these data will be delivered. Uh, Everyone everyone needs to play together
0: and needs that. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't it's know, an
1: ecosystem with all relevant stakeholders. Yeah. So it's very important. That is really sector coupling, new ecosystems and that you cannot compare with 20 years ago. That's another world.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, We've been quite
0: rich on analogies in this episode from spaghetti to traffic jams the, yeah. to heat pumps being cars and traffic jams. Helps to bring it to life a bit. Um, time now to bring up the talking new energy crystal ball and I'm just going to set the dial again this week to the the shortest time setting of three years, so the end of 2024. I think the long-term vision is quite clear here. I'm interested in pace. How quickly can we move? So, I'd like to ask each of you, and we're a little short of time, so keeping it short. So, Hans, where do you think we'll have got you'll have got to with this activity by 2024?
2: Thank you, John. I, I love this category at the end of every show. Thanks for the opportunity. So I think I made clear that from my point of view, we have millions of these devices ready. And uh, speaking for FISMA, we have hundreds of thousands of heat pumps ready in those markets Mm -hmm. and users willing to use them for the greater good, for the stability of the electricity system. And I'm positive that in the next three years, we will overcome the biggest hurdle for putting those flexibility sources to use we put to put aside with that hurdle and that would be to address energy markets it's quite complicated quite hard to monetize or to yeah. to, to be able to um, contribute to an energy market if you don't install a very complicated meter if you don't uh, go through very complicated process and i'm i would like us and I'm, I'm pretty positive we will be able to do that. Um, to introduce some kind of qualification system, you only need to think about autonomous driving. It starts with assisted driving, continues by a few steps, and then you end up in, autonom- uh, in full autonomous driving. And it could be the same for aggregators of flexibility. If you have only a couple of 10,000 units, then you might not have to be as secure as an aggregator that's much much larger. So okay. I'm pretty positive in 2024 we will have a few hundred thousand FISMAN heat pump operators that contribute to system stability in Europe.
0: That would be fantastic Hans. Um, Axel how about you, three years time?
1: Yeah so we have to be fast um, and we have to implement um, all um, technical requirements that we um, can uh, manage these uh, smaller flexibility sources and integrate in the market and in the system, and I three um, three uh, main drivers for that. Um, one is the e-mobility, yeah, and we yeah. see uh, really uh, fast growth, yeah. And then we have millions of cars on the road, and that, that, that's one reason. Another reason also that's a German-specific um, thing. Um, we we have yeah since. Uh, PV power plants on the roof uh, more or less now 20 years ago and you, yeah. you have a uh, fixed in-feed tariff in uh, Germany for 20 years but um, that will then phase out and uh, so we had many of these devices uh, yeah to 2005, 2006, 7 and 8 uh, installed and then yeah you don't will get any more in a fixed in-feed tariff but the PV plan, uh, panels are still working so and then the households will I would assume uh, by a, a home battery or yeah. electric car yeah. or something. Like this. So you really but, want to self-consume that yeah, electricity. Yeah, but yeah. You, you, you need to do something with your P- PV uh, panels. And on the uh, the third, uh, um, yeah, important uh, thing is um, with the re- renovation of the buildings that you will replace uh, um, oil heating systems with heat pumps. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then you have these million of devices. And uh, there yeah, also million of devices. Then you also see that on a, a TSO level and then you have to integrate it in the market and in the system. And um, so we need the technical requirements in, in the next years. Um, we are happy to have new customers and new TSO um, ready for, for our um, equity uh, solution. And for sure, also the regulatory framework um, mm-hmm. has to fit uh, to the yeah, smaller flexibility sources. And one example I gave you, um, was uh, incentive for smaller flexibilities uh, for congestion management.
0: So Axel, do you think in three years' time this will all be in place and you'll be ready to scale?
1: Yeah, we we will do our best. We will work on that, and um, yeah, and then we will see what's happening. Okay. But I'm confident uh, that 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 we will. Yeah, we 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 need a solution that we can mm-hmm. integrate these smaller. Flexibilities.
0: Yeah, we need we need to move to on. make
1: the energy transition happen.
0: Yeah. And Lucy, looking across Europe, um, I would say maybe your description at the beginning was we're at one or two <laughs> out of ten at the moment today. Uh, where will we be in three years' time, do you think? If-
3: I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. I think for the markets that can pair this business model and opening in the markets, mm-hmm. five or six. Because I think okay. I know, Axel was, was dead on the money and the sort of the e-mobility and the installed base that's already there. Yeah. That, has, that has a great opportunity. I don't see a reason why that can't be monetized in the short term. If you're looking at slightly more emerging markets, then we will probably maybe one or two by 2024. But yeah. I think, yeah.
0: Some markets moving quickly. Yeah.
3: But, but what I also would like to say,
1: it's not about only about money, because I think you always talk about money if you talk about uh, smaller flexibility. Um, but what is also important that you don't lose comfort and, um, that is also important so that you really can, can drive. Um, if you want to drive that your car is charged, yeah, that, that, uh, your, your home battery is, is, is char- charged and that your heat, heat pump is running. So, and, um, that needs a coordination, yeah. And, and, um, that's also an important, uh, factor I have to say, not only, hmm. uh, it's not only about money.
0: I agree. I agree. We haven't talked much about customers. We've talked a bit about customers today, but if we don't put customers right at the middle of these new propositions, these new business models, I'm sure it won't work. So um, very good point to end with, Axel. So uh, we better leave it there now. Time's got the better of us. But thanks very much, Hans, Axel, Lucy, for joining today. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, Great to learn about your activities in Germany. Wishing you all the best of luck to move forward at pace in the next years thanks as always to everyone for listening hope you enjoyed the episode and if you uh, listen on a podcast platform if you do get a chance to rate us that would be very much appreciated look forward to welcoming you back to next week's episode thanks and goodbye if you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta.org.